SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You look for every advantage you can get. Congratulations. You just found it. The Winning Edge. Sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Are you ready? This is Pushing the Odds. Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. And away we go on a Tuesday for pushing the odds here in Vegas. What's up? How are you? Matt Peralt with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt. The show on Twitter at Pushing the Odds here on Sports Griffith Radio, Channel 204. We are exclusive here on XM for an hour. And then we welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience, folks. Two hours every day, Monday through Friday, here on Sirius XM Channel 204. Euro Cup action underway. Hungary is a big, big home dog to Portugal. That game in the third minute just starting. Portugal goes off as a minus 260 favorite here to win. And we will watch that. I am involved for the first time with a bet today. I have not bet the Euro Cup. I have a bet today because of what happens with my podcast. So I'm going to be watching Germany and France today. I was talked into betting both teams to score today here in that match, which I got pretty not horrible odds, minus 125 odds on that. So we got an early game here, later game tonight, today, 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That game is scheduled to go off between Germany and France. Big game of the day. So we'll watch that. We've got a ton of basketball coming up. We will get to Matt Moore of the Action Network in the next hour of the program. But before we get to that during this hour, we'll talk to Sean Sullivan, who covers the betting world of soccer for the folks at NBC Sports Bet and NBC Sports overall. We'll get to his thoughts on what's going to happen in this game, all these games. And really, it's kind of like an educational interview for me, like how to bet the Euros, because I don't bet soccer. And I get asked all the time, why don't you bet soccer? Because I don't pay attention to it. Like, that's just the, I'm being honest. I'm not going to lie and say that I, I watch soccer. I don't watch soccer. I played soccer my entire life. I've told this story before. The sport that I was the best at was soccer. I lettered three times in high school. I was recorded, I was recruited to play soccer in college, not Division One, but Division Two. And I said, no, <laughs> I didn't want to play. <laughs> and I wanted to go to school and I didn't want to play soccer. I didn't love it. I liked playing soccer. It was kind of a curse because I was the best at it. But I would would have preferred to have been really good at basketball or baseball. I, I would have preferred to have been much better at those sports than I was. And I'm just, you know, my family, my, uh, you know, my skill level. I just I played soccer from from a very young age, and my father is an ultra marathoner and run, can run for days, literally. And that's just, it worked out well for soccer. <laughs> you run, you know, five to seven miles a game when you're playing soccer. So it worked out. But no, I am 
uh, I, I stopped playing competitively and I played club for a little bit, but it's not even like as an adult, I've been like, yeah, let's go play, you know, like over 35 or over 40 year old soccer. Nah, <laughs> it just, it never really attracted me all that much. I'd rather golf personally. Uh, I'd rather box. I mean, th- those are the things that, that, that I do now. I prefer using my hands and my feet. So that's kind of the deal when it comes to that. Hungary, by the way, has had two incredible scoring opportunities early here in this match, and they've not been able to capitalize. But maybe we've got an upset brewing here a little bit with Hungary against Portugal and Ronaldo on the on the on the pitch for for uh, for Portugal. So yeah, I, I get the attraction. Betting soccer is fun. I, I would more rather I would rather bet hockey, like we did last night with the Vegas Golden Knights and their match, their game here in Vegas against the Canadiens and. If you thought there was value on the Canadiens going into the series, how about now? The number here in Vegas for the Montreal Canadiens following the Game 1 loss last night is plus 650 to win the series. Plus 650. My goodness. Vegas went off yesterday before Game 1 as the largest favorite to win a series in the Stanley Cup semifinals in the last 31 years, you got to go back to Washington and Boston 32 years ago to get to a game or a series with this type of, of, of number, just a huge lopsided number. And if you read people in Canada and the sports gambling world, there are so many people who work in Canada. And I felt like there were so many people who were writing stories with their heart and not with their head. And they're saying it's all on Montreal. Bet Montreal. Bet Montreal. Bet on the value. The value. Well, look, you can have great value, but if it doesn't cash, who the hell cares about the value? Like, you can say if you bet more often than not with good value, you're going to be a profitable gambler. All right, but sometimes you also have to use your eyes in your head, and you have to watch and think what's going to happen. I mean, I compared this to a Mayweather fight. Like, what are you doing betting on the dog? Like, if you don't want to bet the dog, don't bet the event. Like, it's that simple. And I know it's only one game. And Montreal could turn everything around. They could steal game two. Carey Price kept that game last night. But Marc-Andre Fleury really kept that game last night from being just a, a wild, like, 7-3 to three type of affair. I mean, Vegas had so many goal, golden goal-scoring opportunities that Carey Price saved, and he still gave up four goals, <laughs> non and not an, open, an empty netter. If you had the under in that game last night, the, the Montreal Canadiens pulled Carey Price with four and a half minutes to go, and Vegas did not score an empty net goal. So if you had under five and a half, thank your lucky stars, because you got a break, because <laughs> that game should have gone over last night. Instead, 4-1, under five and a half comes in. We got a lot to come. Our four big stories, a lot of basketball. The Atlanta Hawks even up their series with the Philadelphia 76ers. We're watching the Euro Cup as well. It's all on a Tuesday. We're pushing the odds here on Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here for you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, the reaction to Major League Baseball's 10-game suspension with pay due to the investigation by MLB about starting pitchers or pitchers in general using a foreign substance to help increase their spin rate. Well, that has been, you know, not exactly warmly received. People saying, wait a minute, I get a 10-day vacation with pay if I get caught cheating? Okay, give me the, you know, the spider tack. I'm all, I'm using it every game now. And if I'm not using it, I'm going to use it, you know, I'm going to use it now because I get a 10 day, you know, I get a 10 day day off and I may increase my spin rate and help myself with a variety of reasons, you know, help myself with, you know, my free agency upcoming or my contract or earning more of my incentives on my contract by going ahead and being, you know, a guy who's cheating MLB this morning. Bob Nightingale of USA Today is tweeting out a statement from Major League Baseball saying, based on the information collected over the first two months of the season, including numerous complaints from players, pitchers, umpires, coaches, and executives, there is a prevalence of foreign substance use by pitchers in MLB and throughout the minor leagues. Rob Manfred stated in this statement, this is not about any individual player or club or placing blame. It's about a collective shift that has changed the game and needs to be addressed. We have a responsibility to our fans and the generational talent competing on the field to eliminate these substances. Will they eliminate? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you're going to see a change or if players are going to find different things to use. I, I mean, baseball has been cheating, you know, skirting the rules forever. This is just part of the culture with baseball, whether it be steroids or spider tack or, you know, juicing the baseball or corking a bat, whatever it might be. I mean, this has been going on for so long. I I don't want to say the public is numb to it, but the public is annoyed by it. And really who's annoyed by it are the players who are competing because if you're doing it cleanly and others are not, you're then kind of forced into doing it. This is what happened during the steroid era because you had a bunch of players who were trying to make money, you know, for their families and earn contracts, and they were getting passed by because others were cheating and using steroids and they weren't. So they were kind of like, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to get passed behind, and and people are going to just pass me, and I'm going to be left behind. So I I feel for those who do it cleanly and. I, I just don't know if the penalty is really going to be enough. Like 10 days with pay? Eh? How does that, like, what does that do? Uh, Ken Rosenthal is describing brazen violations of the rules during this release. The enhanced monitoring we implement implemented at start of the season had no impact on the behavior of many pitchers. The information was collected, shows use of forum substances by pitchers is more prevalent than we anticipated. <laughs> so... <laughs> Interesting part. Uh, Major League Baseball during these new guidelines. Pitchers have been advised not to apply sunscreen during night games after the sun has gone down or when playing in stadiums with closed roofs. Which is right. I mean, I- I've told the story that you know this has been going on forever. Clay Buckholz of the Boston Red Sox used to pitch 
in Tampa. And in Tampa, he would dump water on his head, and he'd have this, like, mullet, and it would be drenched in water. And he would have this glistening sunscreen on his left arm, and he would take his hat off, run his hands through his hair, and then he'd go to his arm, and he would create this tacky you know, feel with the bullfrog sunscreen on his left arm, and he would create this, you know, this you know, compound, if you will, for him to grab the baseball and be able to snap off breaking balls. That's just what he did. And it was just kind of like, yeah, nobody called him out on it. No one was questioning it. It was just like what he did. He was clearly using this. And it was, well, sunscreen is legal. I can use sunscreen. It's not illegal to have sunscreen on my body. And everyone's like, you're indoors. What do you need sunscreen for? And this is my team. This is the Boston Red Sox. Like we, This has been going on for so long that it shouldn't be shocking to anybody that it got to the point that it did because baseball turned a blind eye to it because that's what baseball does. And then after the public gets annoyed and players go public and Josh Donaldson goes ahead and calls out Garrett Cole, the Yankees, and makes it a big story, oh, well, now we're going to pay attention to it. Oh, okay. Now we need to talk about it. My goodness. All right, our four big stories. The Atlanta Hawks even up their series two games apiece with Philadelphia last night. They were down 20 to Philly, but they rallied to win by three on their home court. Atlanta's Trey Young came up big in the second half, scored 25 points. Joel Embiid, not big. 0 for 12 in the second half, 4 for 20 for the game. Doc Rivers, after the game, was not happy with his team's effort. We stopped passing. You know, I thought that we started the game off that way. Then we got back in the ball movement. Then we went back to um, hero basketball. You know, basically everybody wanted to be the hero instead of just trusting the team, trusting each other. You, when you do that, you usually lose, especially when the other team outworks you the whole game. And that's what they did today. Clippers even up their series two games apiece with the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell did play, scored 37 points in the loss, but Kawhi Leonard and Paul George each scored 31 points as L.A. sent the series back to Utah all even. Donovan Mitchell, after the game, talked about the importance of protecting home court now. I think you said it. We have to be the aggressors. I think we have to come out. They've come out and hit first both times at home. And at the end of the day, they did what they were supposed to do. They, they won two games on their home floor. They took care of home court. So did we. You know, it may not feel or look like, you know, it was, it was like, look like, might, sorry, it may not look or feel that way, but that's what, they were, that's what they were supposed to do. And we did the same thing. So now it's on us to go out there and be the aggressors, take, be the aggressor, take care of home court and, and go from there. You know, I think we, we were up 2-0. We felt like we could have got one. We didn't, you know, and we got to understand that it's just, it's 2-2. Uh, and we got to go out there and get the best out of three at this point. Will James Harden play? Number three, James Harden is up to doubtful right now against the Milwaukee Bucks. The number has come down. Brooklyn's at home catching four points now. The total has gone up now to 219 and a half. If Harden plays, could be a big moment here for Brooklyn, but for Milwaukee, according to TNT's Charles Barkley, all these injuries means the Bucks better win this series. To me, this is the defining moment of this Bucks team. This is the defining moment, in my opinion. There's no way, if they, if, like Shaq said, unless uh, Joe Harris, Mike James, and Blake are diving all over the place, but it don't matter. They don't have enough talent to beat the Bucks team. If I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I get together and say, guys, this is our moment. As long as they don't outwork us, they can't beat us because they can't score enough points. And if the Milwaukee Bucks 
to lose this series without James Harden for the entire series, now no Kyrie, this will be one of the biggest choke jobs in basketball history. 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 Wow. Wow. History. Fourth and finally, the U.S. Open starts tomorrow in San Diego, and the liability for Phil Mickelson to win the event, the first U.S. Open ever if he won it, is monster for the sports books. Mickelson has seen the majority of the tickets come in on him to make history and complete the career grand slam. For him, yesterday, he talked about the fact that this might be the right time for him to win it. It's been a really fun last few weeks, and it's exciting to have a major championship here where I grew up in San Diego at uh, Torrey Pines, and then to come in to this event as the most recent major winner is special as well. But um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the week and excited about the way this will showcase to the world what it, uh, what a great job everyone's done to get this course ready and, and uh, how beautiful it is. Books are going to be pulling hard for Mickelson not to make history to win the event. The public will be cheering loudly for the 50-year-old to win back-to-back majors. He knows the course. This is potentially, I feel like I've said that like eight times, this is, the, this is potentially the last time for Phil Mickelson to be competitive at a U.S. Open. Backyard. Tory Pines knows the course like the back of his hand, his home city, his hometown. Can he do it? Mm, I don't know. We got a couple of games to break down tonight. NHL and NBA action, and we'll take a look at where we are with a couple of series prices as well. And then we'll get to Sean Sullivan talking about betting on Euro 2020. It's pushing the odds here on a Tuesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, all eyes are going to be on James Harden for the next, what, 12 hours until we get to game time here between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. It's a 7.40 Eastern time tip tonight in Brooklyn where game five gets played, and it's a pivotal game here in this series. If Milwaukee wins this game, they go home knowing they can end and knock out the Brooklyn Nets in game six in front of their home crowd. If they lose it, they got to go home trying to keep themselves alive and try to force a game seven back in Brooklyn later on this week. And, you know, James Harden playing with a with a bad hamstring, you have to wonder, you know, you can... You can play with a bad ankle. We saw Donovan Mitchell play last night with a bad ankle. And painkillers and tape and the things you do to help give the ankle more support makes sense. But, man, I don't know. It It is a Harden. I mean, at what percentage do you think James Harden's going to be tonight? 50? 60? And so he's doubtful. 
you wonder, is it smoke and mirrors by the Nets? Is it just, hey, we're going to try to let James warm up. We're going to get a chance to see what the hamstring feels like. And if he thinks he can play, maybe he can play. You know, don't push it. Don't don't run. Don't go into a full sprint. Jog. Play defense. Kind of let us hide you a little bit on defense. And don't go nuts. It's a playoff game, though. It's not going to be easy for James Harden not to go out there and try to play hard. And if he does, and the hamstring gets worse, and then he's done for the rest of the playoffs, it's it's a difficult dance because you've got games left. This is not an elimination game. You don't have to win this. You would like to win this, but you don't have to win this. And so the James Harden news, and we don't know if he's going to play or not, just the James Harden speculation, has caused both the side and the total to move. And so we're down here to Brooklyn at home at plus four. Road favorites in the NBA playoffs, 12 and four against the spread so far in these playoffs. And Milwaukee is a road favorite tonight at minus four. The total is what's kind of interesting. So I, before the James Harden news, and when I bet this last night, James Harden was out, but I bet under 218 last night. And the reason is every game in this series has gone under. And every game in this series has gone way under. The books really haven't adjusted all that much. And you're going to get a better number. If you're betting the under right now, you're going to get a point and a half better of a number than when I bet last night. I bet under 218. If you look at the series so far, game one was 239.5. It went under by 17.5 points. Game two was 238.5. It went under by 27.5 points. Game three was 235.5 points. It went under by 66.5 points. Game four was 229, and it went under by 26 points. So the books have adjusted by 10 points, which is a monster adjustment. Okay, 11 points is what I bet last night. That's a huge adjustment. But all four games in the series so far would have gone under if, the, if, the had, if they had set the total at 218. It's now 219 and a half. So does James Harden give the Nets more offense? Of course he does. Does it make it harder to guard Kevin Durant? Of course it does. Does it open up Joe Harris? Of course it does. But it doesn't mean they're going to score a ton of points because even with Kyrie and Kevin Durant in game three, they scored 83 points. <laughs> so you're not going to have Kyrie tonight, who is really the guy who can stimulate the offense and get others involved, including guys like Joe Harris, where the dribble drive kick out to a three-point shooter is a major part of the offense for the Brooklyn Nets, and they simply don't have anybody to do that. And James Harden's not going to do that on a bum hamstring. So I I disagree with the point move here, point and a half move to the over here and, and rising up the total just because James Harden's playing because I'm not I don't think he's going to be effective. I mean, maybe he's going to be effective, but I don't know. Defensively, he's going to be a liability. He always is. He's, he's a liability healthy, let alone with a bad hamstring. So, I mean, I, I'm still comfortable being on the under, and I, I'm not going to punt out of it, you know, unless we see James Harden, you know, really, really running around early in pregames and looked phenomenal in the first quarter and he scores 10 points or something. I mean, maybe I'll punt out of it and I'll in-game wager and get out of the bet. And, and that's you know, kind of how I use in-game wagering. Other people use it for different reasons to, to double down. I more often than not use in-game wagering to get out of a bet I'm going to lose because I had it wrong pregame. 
So that, that's how I use in-game wagering a lot. Everyone has their own philosophy and their own strategy as to how they want to approach it, but that's just the way that I do it. Personally, I like to punt out of, you know, bets like this, where I bet under 219, that or under 218. The number now is 219 and a half. And I'm very, really curious to see what happens in the first couple of minutes of the game and what does James Harden look like. So I'm still comfortable where I am with the under for this game. I I think taking the Bucks. I mean, the, the number coming down is only good things. I think if you're going to be on Milwaukee, again, 12-4 and four against the number. I'm going to be on Milwaukee minus four tonight, and I I would love it to go to three. If we get Milwaukee minus three, I love it. And you, you just heard you know Charles Barkley there in the big four talk about the fact that this is, if they can't beat this series with all the injuries, they can't beat the Nets or the the Bucks or the the, the the Nets. This would be the Bucks you know biggest choke job in the playoffs and one of. And I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely all set up here. And if you look at team futures right now to win the championship, the Nets are plus three fifty to win it all. That's the longest we've seen for the odds on the Nets in a really long time. The Bucks are plus three seventy at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Utah Jazz are plus 380, and the Phoenix Suns are plus 390. What is interesting is that the L.A. Clippers are plus 550. There's some real value there on the L.A. Clippers at plus 550, given the fact you're getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And in the West, I mean, it's tough to think that the Clippers, I don't know. If it's Clippers, Suns, Jazz Suns, I, I think I'm a little bit more torn on. I'm thinking I'm more of a coin flip type of series if Mike Conley's healthy for the Utah Jazz. But Clippers versus the Suns, mm, that's hard. That's veteran leadership. That's teams that have been there. That's guys. That's depth. Tough. I would be very curious to see what the series price is going to be. If it's Clippers and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, I would definitely lean towards the Clippers in that series. And that's with me having a ticket for the Utah Jazz to win the West at plus 355. So I didn't think Utah would win at all, but I thought they'd win the West. So, you know, they're tied up 2-2 with their series with the Clippers, and they'll go back home for a Game 5, and we'll see what happens there. Right now, the Clippers are favored. I'm sorry, the Jazz are favored at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win their series still at minus 124. And plus 106 on the Clippers. So even 2-2, that's interesting. Even at 2-2, you got the Utah Jazz who are laying juice there at minus 124 to win their series. For Atlanta and Philadelphia, Philly is still a really big favorite here. After winning the last, uh, winning one of two in Atlanta, they go back home for game five. Philadelphia minus 310 to win the series. Atlanta is plus 250. Now, I already have a plus 155 bet on Atlanta to win the series that I made before the series began. I'm not going to double down, and I'm not going to punt out of it by laying 310 juice with Philadelphia, but Game 5 is going to be absolutely awesome tomorrow. Philadelphia is a, already a minus 6 favorite here in this game to protect home court, and Trey Young's going to have to do something incredible in Game 5. They were able to win Game 4 because Joel Embiid was just awful last night. 4 of 20 overall. 0 of 12 in the second half. Don't tell me that knee is healthy. It's not healthy. Everything is short from Joel Embiid. And that's the fear. 
as this as the series goes on, does the knee get worse and worse and more painful and more difficulty with him shooting and moving, and he becomes just not a liability, but if he can't score, we saw it in the second half. If he's not scoring, they struggle. And, and they need Embiid to be their number one offensive weapon because Ben Simmons can't be trusted. The jump shooters in the corners are okay, but they're very streaky. Seth Curry had a huge first half and then did not play well in the second half and missed the game-tying three when he double-clutched it and hit the back of the rim, trying to send the game into overtime. I don't know. It, it, it's hard right now. I mean, it's hard to see Philadelphia you know, blowing out Atlanta. I would probably be on the Hawks there at plus six, but we'll let the days play out here. We'll get some injury reports, see how Embiid's doing. Home court definitely helps for Philadelphia, but Atlanta won game one. And, you know, it, it's, it's Atlanta wins game one. Philly wins game two and three. Atlanta wins game four. Game five clearly is going to be a monster, monster game. And, and we'll see what happens coming up tomorrow between these two teams. Now, we got one game in hockey tonight, Islanders and the Lightning. Uh, the under 5.5 is really juiced to minus, to minus 154 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. I bet uh, minus 145 last night, and I think the under is the play here. Islanders and the Lightning, 2-1 in game one. I, with both goaltenders playing as well as they are, I, I don't see the Islanders wanting to open up and really get into a, a crazy back-and-forth battle. I bet over 5.5 and in the first game, and I missed. I was wrong. It came in with a 2-1 win for the Islanders. So now I'm going the under here. I want to bet Tampa, but I don't want to lay $2 here to do it because the Islanders are live. I do think Tampa wins this series, and I do think Tampa wins this game. But I'm not sure I want to lay the minus 190 on it. It's a little rich for my blood there, given how talented the Islanders are up one nothing already in this series. All right, next, let's talk some soccer. Soccer betting. Sean Sullivan, soccer betting analyst for Embassy Sports Bet's going to join us. we got a big game, France and Germany, coming up later on today and the rest of the Euros. How do you bet on it? I'm really ignorant on soccer betting. Let's talk to Sean Sullivan next year. I'm pushing SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. the odds live from Las Vegas here's Matt Peralt no score between Hungary and Portugal in the 40th minute Portugal's been all over Hungary since about the fifth minute of this match it's been pretty one-sided the goaltender for Hungary getting a workout but so far it's nil-nil here in the first half here in group F play of Euro 2020 now look at my soccer betting is extraordinarily limited in fact it's 
non-existent. So we thought it might be fun to go get a soccer betting analyst to bring him on to talk about what's going to happen for today, Germany and France, other games in pool play that he's looking at, and just betting on soccer overall. Maybe your friends do it. Maybe you want to get into it. I know I want to get into it. I have my first bet of Euro 2020 going today that we'll get to next here with Sean Sullivan from NBC Sports Bet on Pushing the Odds. Sean Matt Peralt, how are you? Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay, so for a soccer betting guy, how big are the Euros? So I would say it's like the Super Bowl, but it comes once every four years, which is why uh, the Euros and the World Cup tend to attract people who have thought about putting a toe in the soccer betting. But now you have a you have pretty much the cream of the crop playing uh, on the worldwide stage. So it's I'd say it's pretty big. Is it bigger than the World Cup in your mind? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the the global pull and appeal from the World Cup is it's so hard to match. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I fell in love with soccer when I was still had aspirations of becoming a professional player. Uh, <laughs> it's so hard to match. But, I mean, the Euro comes close. Um, the, the, the biggest thing I think where it kind of differs is because of the proximity of all the countries in Europe, you know, you see it with how we have the rivalries in American sports. The Euro is just on another level uh, in terms of intensity. So much like here in America, when we're dealing with different regions of our country, having different rules for COVID in audiences, Hungary is full right now. Budapest has got a full stadium with no masks. It looks like the environment is insane right now for this match. Does that factor into your handicapping at all when it comes to the Euros? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's like an uncharted territory for uh, everyone who's in the in the sports industry now, trying to factor in how crowds and stuff plays. But I would say it's a big advantage, especially for a team like Italy, where they're playing their three group stage matches uh, on home soil, and they can have fans in the crowd. You know, I I would it'd be interesting to get like a player's opinion on it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just the fact that you have, like, for example, in this match between Hungary and Portugal, you have a team in Hungary who's pretty much overmatched at every position. But having that 12th man of the crowd behind them, let alone they haven't seen live football in however knows long. Um, so I think it can definitely play a factor. Although I'd say it would be more something I would factor in when it's two, I guess, even more evenly balanced teams where you kind of you have a, a – not so much of a great distribution of talent between Hungary and Portugal in this match. So when it comes to live wagering, do you find yourself getting involved more so, or, or do you do more betting when it comes to pregame type of bets? So I, I personally prefer to do uh, pregame. I mean, the, the area I focus on for uh, NBC Sports Edge is primarily player props. So a lot of those numbers, you know, you're looking at goals, assists, shots, passes. A lot of these things are stuff where if I have an idea of, of where I like a player at, I'll take them before the match. Live betting is live betting is such a slippery slope, especially in soccer, where you know if a team has a red card and they go down a man, that's a signal to jump on it. But I prefer to do futures and, and kind of do most of my betting pre-match. Okay, so how prevalent are the are props in, in, in the soccer market? I mean, are, are most books – Offering soccer props, I haven't seen in Vegas if Vegas books are doing it. But are, are you? Is it hard to find soccer props? 
So we do, uh, we're partnered with, NBC. we're partnered with uh, PointsBet Sportsbook, and they, they give a ton of really interesting, unique props. I mean, they have it down to the mode a player will score with, whether it's off his head or with his foot, uh, but they score from a direct free kick outside the box. But I'd say overall, it's definitely in its, uh, in its infancy. Uh, I spent a year and a half working, covering um, Serie A and Bundesliga, uh, working on the back end for a book. And from what I kind of took away from everything is it's, it's definitely a, an up-and-coming market, but it's kind of a matter of just figuring out how you get people to go over the top with looking into soccer, which is something the rest of the world kind of has are done already, but we're right. still a little bit behind in the U.S. <laughs> That's what, my next question was going to be Sean Sullivan joining us here from NBC Sports Bet. It, it just the, the Europeans have been doing this for so long, and we're so far behind when it comes to this. Do you see soccer being a monster for the book, say, in 20, 10, 15 years? I mean, I mean, how long until it becomes a fully mature market? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I hope so. It's kind of how I based my, based my career around on the, uh, the trajectory. But in all honesty, I do think it's there. Uh, the one thing that has always attracted me to soccer, uh, and this is something I'm, you started to see it pick up a little bit with the quality of MLS kind of moving to the forefront. Um, it's kind of the undiscovered country in sports, and you have these, you know, channels put in place for fantasy and betting for every other sport. And meanwhile, soccer is kind of just sitting there waiting for its chance. So I do think it's, I do think it's going to boom. It's kind of been, you know, is it two, five years? Um, and, you know, I wish the U.S. men's national team was in a little bit of a better spot. Uh, we do have a lot of young guys coming up, but I think with success on the international stage, we'll kind of bring in the, the passive or the casual soccer fan who's also interested in betting. So, Sean, we have Germany and France playing later on today. I mean, obviously, two huge names. If you know soccer just casually, you know about the history with France and their and their World Cup win and what they've done in Germany as well, their history in the sport. But, I mean, are, are those games ones you stay away from because the casual better may be involved and the numbers may be sharper? Or are those the games to get involved with because you'll get better odds on certain plays? So I usually look to target matches where there is, I don't want to say deficiency, but a smaller pool of people knowing what to look for, especially in the Euros and the World Cup. You have players who are phenomenal in their domestic leagues, but they may not be playing in Spain or playing in Syria or playing in the Premier League. So the knowledge on them is a little bit less known. And, you know, you'd be surprised with having how many, you know, having 11 guys on each side of the ball on the field it doesn't happen a ton, but there's a lot of times where you'll miss a guy. You know, one of the things I always like to look for is players that take free kicks and set pieces when looking at goals and assists. Mm. Uh, and when you have a match like Germany and France, I mean, you're not, you're not hiding anyone from anybody considering you have the cream of the crop. So I, I usually tend to stay away from those bigger matches uh, just because of, A, the unpredictability in terms of results. But also be like you said, a lot of the a lot of the lines move in a different manner than you're used to seeing when you have a, a match with not a low volume, but you just don't have kind of a wider net of people, you know, rolling the dice. 
Sean, in terms of the futures market, did you get involved with who wins the group stages and who advances? Or are those bets you'd like to make? So the one, the bet that I, the, the market I focus the most on uh, for this, this Euro was looking at the golden boot uh, for, to be the top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally decided because there's, in my opinion, there's a pretty tightly contested bunch of favorites. You know, you have France, England, Belgium, Portugal, Germany. You have all these teams, Spain, that have a realistic chain of uh, or line of argument to go and say they can make a deep tournament run. So I've kind of held off on those, and I'll be looking once the group stage settles to kind of take another look and then bet based upon the knockout stage. Interesting. So in terms of mistakes you see – gamblers make when it comes to betting on soccer are, are there any that you notice that that the, the casual gambler you know shouldn't be making but they did did they make it for whatever reason yeah i think the the biggest one and this is one that i mean this is one that it, it's you would think it's kind of an obvious thing but the way soccer works with all these formations and everything is you could have a team that plays with four guys and the four guys in defense but they could switch their formation you know, to have one of those fullbacks be more attacking. And people, if you don't do the research, there's little things you'll miss. Um, I'd say that, and, and definitely another thing, too, to look at is the historical data uh, with how teams perform home and away. I mean, it's, it's less in play for a major tournament like the Euros, but there's teams that simply cannot play on the road or <laughs> they're going to a team that's not as talented, but they have that 12th-man stadium advantage. You see it a lot in the the English leagues, especially in the championship, the uh, second tier in England, where you just have these insane crowds that can actually influence a match. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, keeping your keeping a keen eye on the team news and seeing if players are playing out of position or, you know, if a guy has a really good record against a specific team. Um, but it's it's it, there's so many variables that come into it. I mean, heck, I even find myself at times getting caught up with it. Do you look at props like both teams to score? Did, did you like the prop market like that? If you think it's going to be a high-scoring game that you can get involved with, you know, scoring, it's international play, so scoring oftentimes it's 1-0 or 2-1, or, or it's, it's low. But are, are, are those types of game props you look to get into besides who wins? Yeah, I'd say the the one thing I like to look for, and this is something when I was putting together uh, an article this morning I kind of came across, is just looking at in the international tournaments, it's it's there's a very fine margin between, you know, the the top the top dogs and then the teams that are expected to come bottom of their groups. But in terms of goal volume, I mean in this tournament so far through 10 matches, uh, only Netherlands and Ukraine uh, the 3-2 result last week. It's the first match where both teams scored multiple goals. Mm. So I'm usually pretty pretty cautious about looking for matches uh, in terms of backing both teams to score. Uh, however, I will say, you know, for example, with Wales playing against Turkey on Wednesday, uh, you have a Wales side that, if they win, they most likely will <clears throat> qualify for the knockout stage. Turkey need a win, having lost their first match. So that's a game where 
the situation dictates both teams needing to attack. So that's when I actually pointed out in, in my column today of looking at there might be a heavily favored under at two and a half goals, but both teams need to attack. So it's kind of a perfect scenario for both teams to score. But I'd like to say it's, I like to pick, I like to pick and choose those because there's nothing worse than backing both teams to score and then getting a nil-nil draw. <laughs> Very true. Sean, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the Euro. It should be a really fun tournament. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That is Sean Sullivan, at Sean underscore Sullivan underscore one, to follow him on Twitter, soccer betting analyst from NBC Sports Bet, joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Uh, great stuff with him. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try. I don't want to just, in July and August, we're going to lose hockey and basketball, so I'll need something else to get, get jacked up about. So I'll try to dip my toe, as he called it, into the soccer betting world for the Euros for 2020 and 2021. It's a Tuesday. More to come here. I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening enough? Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. It's going to be an interesting night tonight as all eyes are going to be fixated on James Harden and whether or not he plays. It feels like it feels like everyone's trying to find and read the tea leaves here as to will there be a minutes restriction? Will he start the game? What does that do to the offense and the firepower and whether or not the Milwaukee Bucks can win game five to take control of this series and send the series back to Milwaukee with a chance to knock out the Brooklyn Nets and I mean, look, again, the futures market is is really interesting. The Brooklyn Nets of the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 350. Milwaukee at plus 370. Utah at plus 380. Phoenix at plus 390. This is the closest, the odds, and the longest of odds for the Brooklyn Nets to win the NBA championship we have seen in a really long time. And Milwaukee is favored to win this series at minus 176 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Brooklyn at plus 148. A pretty substantial dog here to win two of the next three games and knock out the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of pressures on Giannis. A lot of pressure is on Mike Boonholzer. A lot of pressures on this Bucks, Bucks organization to win this, given the injuries that this Brooklyn Nets team is dealing with. And it cannot just be Kevin Durant. And the ball stuck with Kevin Durant in Game Four in really in amazing ways. It just it went to him and it never came out. He became a black hole and he was missing shots like crazy. And PJ Tucker was in his face constantly and he did a great job of guarding Kevin Durant. So that's why they need another option. And Joe Harris can't get his own shot. And Blake Griffin's not a guy that's going to go and take you off the dribble. So they just don't have the weapons. They need Kyrie. They need Kevin Durant, and they need James Harden. And without two of the three, 
They just cannot, they will not beat the Milwaukee Bucks. That's why they're forcing the issue and trying to get James Harden back onto the floor. The problem is that hamstring may not be cooperating. That's a tough injury to force to try to come back from. How healthy is he? We're going to find out in a couple of hours. I don't know if I'd be banking on him to add a ton of offensive pop for this Nets team. But maybe. Maybe he's healthier than we think. We'll wait and see what's going to happen with that. Next, we welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. Hour number two continues here for Pushing the Odds. We're on Sports Grid Radio, Coming channel 204. All day. Every 